It's time for East Coast Hustle with your host, Reba Magulik. Brought to you by GovTech, your government technology insurance company. Check them out at GovTechInsurance.com. And by Accelerate Solutions, providing enterprise security, digital transformation, and strategic consulting. Hi, I'm Reba Magulik, and welcome to East Coast Hustle. Have you ever wondered what it's like to have a near-death experience, to literally fight for your life and how it would change you? Well, let's find out. On October 25, 2011, on a teaching mission, Jessica and a male colleague were kidnapped at gunpoint and held for ransom by an organized band of Somali pirates. For 93 days, Jessica was terrorized by two dozen captors demanding millions of dollars. Held captive in the open desert in filthy conditions on a starvation diet, hallucinating from pain, her health steadily deteriorated. So right here on our show, right now, let me introduce Jessica Buchanan. Wow. Jessica, and I thought COVID was tough. <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> it's such a pleasure to have you here today. We are so honored and so excited. So many questions for you, but can you start? We just want to hear from you. Tell us the details of what occurred. What led up to that? those moments? What happened during that time and what you thought would happen? later. Sure. So I'm a teacher by profession um, and I, it was my dream to travel to Africa and to teach and so I ended up teaching at an international school in 2007. I met my mm -hmm. husband shortly after I started and um, I was working in Nairobi, Kenya mm -hmm. um, and we fell in love and got married and I did what all newlywed wives do. I followed him up to Somalia where he was based. Um, so I quit my teaching job, relocated up to Hargeisa, actually Somaliland, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I'm, I, because I'm a teacher, I can always find work. So I started tutoring and teaching English to refugees living on our compound. Oh, and, how um, that was, you know, fun. And then I started working for the UN and doing various things, and finally landed on a job with the Danish Demining Group, which was the Mine Action Unit of okay. the Danish Refugee Council. So it's a, an international NGO, mm -hmm. and basically I used my educational skill set to help them develop their education programs in community safety and armed violence reduction. Okay. So we worked in communities that were really recovering from civil war mm -hmm. and had leftover explosives. And oh my. Things. Like, yeah, I mean, you'll find that in a lot of different places in the world. Lots of organizations, like mine clearance organizations, will go in and they'll clean up mm -hmm. and take care of like leftover landmines or UXOs that hadn't exploded. Um, but the, com the components that I worked in were basically to train our staff to go out and uh, inform communities, hey, if you see something shiny, especially the kids, like if you oh, see something gosh. shiny on the ground, don't pick it up because it could blow up. It, oh, it, it, how frightening. It would end up blind, maimed. You oh, know, my goodness. Are, you know, third world countries, right, where there's not a lot of access to medical care and whatnot. Sure. So I was like hashtag living my best life. <laughs> like, you know, I, I had a job that was really meaningful. Um, and very was, unique, I might add, because like just even before you've even gotten into the story of the kidnapping, like this alone, the fact that you went out there, did this, fell in love. I, how many people in your neighborhood that you grew up with were doing what you were doing? Like I, you're probably not a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a pretty fascinating path to begin with, which is what I find interesting. Anyway, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, continue. and I think that that's what I wanted, right? Yeah. I wanted to go off the beaten path I a little did. bit. You know, I, I grew up 
like fairly traditionally. I'm from mm-hmm. the Midwest originally. Um, I grew up like in the church, like very mm-hmm. religious, and so there were lots of like mission boxes. groups, and things? Okay. yeah, like things that I felt like I had to fit into all the time. And I got married really young, and that was a terrible experience. And I think after I got on the other side of that, I went back to school, got my degree, and it was this sense of like there's this big, huge, wide world out there and I want to mm-hmm. see everything and experience all mm-hmm. of it and no one's going to hold me back, right? But how brave of you to take that step. Because people talk about it, but it, not many people actually do that. I mean, brave and dumb, honestly, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, that's the, the, the innocence of youth. Like, yes. you think that you're invincible. Mm-hmm. You don't, I mean, I think back to some of the decisions that I made and the situations that I really was spared, <laughs> you know, yeah. until... Uh, so I'm working for the DDG, and, okay. and this is 2011, mm-hmm. and I had now become the regional education advisor. So I traveled like all over East Africa, South Sudan, mm-hmm. Kenya, Rwanda, like loved it. It was so great. Um, and I had been called upon to do a training down in the southern part of uh, Somalia in okay. Ohio. Not super safe. Uh, UN was Did you know there. that? Did you know it yeah. wasn't super safe? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we had, like, security protocols that we had to follow. We had advisors who were based in uh, Nairobi who, like, read the reports and decided whether or not it was safe enough for you to go in. And, you know, I followed all of those security measures, but I didn't feel good mm-hmm. about the trip. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I, I canceled it twice, actually. Really? Yeah, yeah. And so the third time it came up, I had organized with my colleague, Paul. Danish gentleman, um, who was running the operations down in this field office, and I called him up a couple days before I was supposed to go down there, and I said, I really don't, I don't feel good about this. I don't want to go. And, like, can we figure something out? I have money in my budget. Let me bring your staff up to Hargeisa. Like, you know, whatever. And he was just like, no. Like, you need to get down here. This is your job. If you don't do this, I'm going to report you to your supervisor, and you're, you're going to lose your job. Good gracious. So, essentially bullied. Right. I'd love to hear at the end of this what you said to him at the end <laughs> I mean, of all I've this. I've got a whole lot to say. <laughs> um, but, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I've got this really cool job. Mm-hmm. It's very competitive in that field. To get that it's spot. It's really hard to get jobs like this, you know. I and, didn't realize that. Yeah, like, I mean, if you want to work in international development and mm-hmm. you want, like, project-based mm-hmm. experience, like, this is hard to come by. So I'm scared that, you know, I'm being bullied, workplace bullied. That's horrific. I'm scared that I'm going to lose my job. So my husband didn't feel good. And this is a safety safety situation. I mean, this is a safety issue. Yeah. They didn't send anybody with you. Uh, Well, I was with him, so I fly from Hargeisa. I take like a UN. This is how this whole world works, or it did then. You know, you get on a UN flight. I go to Galkayo. I get picked up by a convoy. We we had two offices. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to explain. Read the book, I guess, if you want to understand the the. the nuances of sure. a place like Galkayo. Um, but essentially it's separated by two different clans and there's okay. this green line that runs in the middle of the town between the two territories and there's all this conflict. So we had a north office and a south office. We were staying in the north office but um, and we did training there for two days and then the third day we were supposed to go to the south office and that was the part that I was really nervous about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Paul and I, we were friends. You know, mm-hmm. We worked together in Hargisa and um, we were hanging out like the night before we were supposed to go to the south office for our the training that we were going to do and he um played the guitar and i like to sing so we would mm-hmm. like you know there's not a whole lot to do in Galway. yeah yeah so we, like drink too much you try to entertain and, you know, yeah. yeah you entertain and um i went to bed that night like really late 
and I had these horrible nightmares like all night long. And I'm not one of those people that dreams or yeah. like remembers my dreams. Right. That's not, that's not me. But I had nightmares all night long that we were being, like our compound was being overtaken by pirates. Stop it. So you had yeah. a premonition about this. Oh. Have you had oh, premonitions yeah. prior to this? Not like this. Not like this. And this is so interesting. And this is that really is just a part of this, my story that I've really started talking about okay. recently and, and just like in the last couple of years. Okay. Um, I think it's taken me a while to like figure out how to talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I got up that morning, October 25th, 2011. And I got up out of bed, and I remember going to the bathroom in, mm -hmm. in my my room at the guest house, and I looked myself in the, at myself in the mirror, and I said out loud to myself, Jess, do you want to do this? No. Are you serious? Yeah. That gives me chills. It's like you knew. I knew. My intuition was you. Yeah. like sending flares, so, smoke right. signals. Like, don't, don't do this. this. Don't, but here's, you know, here's what we do, right? Like what? And I'm standing there looking at myself thinking, no, I don't want to do this, mm -hmm. but I'm here. Mm -hmm. Everybody's expecting me to do this. Yes. Everything's been organized. I made My the trip. My staff is waiting yes. for me. I have to show solidarity. I made the trip. Like, what am I going to do? Go down there and say, okay, so I have this dream. Yeah. Gonna, no. How do you no, explain like, it? Who right. does that? Yeah. Well, smart people do that because... Mm -hmm. I walked away from myself. Like I walked away from that my my reflection in the mirror and it was the single most important act of self-abandonment that I have ever like ever done in my wow. entire life and it changed the course of my life. I almost died like on multiple occasions and I and I have I just learned something last night actually that I'll get to in a minute in terms of like almost losing my life. Mm -hmm. But um it was such self-abandonment. I've never heard that term. That's interesting. Self-abandonment. Yeah. That's And that's what you recognize it as now. Yeah. You, not in that moment, yeah, obviously. Yeah, because now, I mean, and we'll get to that. Like, that's been my journey, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's what my next book is about. Like, that journey from self-abandonment to self-love. Because it really mm -hmm. is this, like, it's a lack of love and belief in yourself. Mm -hmm. to, 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 to deny yourself even the most basic, like, safety. safety. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I go down, I get in the convoy, we go across the green line, everything's fine, do our training. It's around three o'clock in the afternoon. A convoy of three land cruisers picks us up. We've got armed guards in the front, armed guards in the back. Sounds like a perfectly middle. safe situation Brian so far. Isaac, our security advisor, who's a, a local guy, he's been making calls and like, you know, like, oh no, no, we've got to wait. And I felt like oh, this is taking a while, but I didn't know because I didn't know him, and I, I, you know, de defaulted to Paul. He made the decisions. We get in the vehicles and we go. We leave the compound. We drive for like. 10 minutes through Galcayo and all of a sudden um, another vehicle, like a land cruiser, comes around on the right side of us mm -hmm. and gets in between the lead vehicle and us and splashes mud up all over the windows and the windshield. Oh and I can't, I can't see anything. And yeah. I'm thinking, like, I was on my phone, like, sending emails. Yeah, I'm yeah. in work mode still. Right. And, and I'm like, what a, like, what a jerk who drives like that, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. And then all of a sudden I hear the crack of the butt of an AK-47 on the car hood. <gasps> And oh then just a bunch of angry men surround us, and they're screaming. Um, and then the Abdi Rizak, the, the security official, he is sitting next to me. I'm in the back. Uh, his door is pulled open. He's pulled out of the <gasps> car, 
And then a very angry man in a police uniform gets in next to me. He's got an AK-47. He points it at my head and screams at the driver to drive. Oh, my gosh. And so we just take off through town. There's a, a Somali driver. I don't know who he is. He looks scared. He's driving like crazy. Like is Paul in the car with Paul you, too? Is, yes. So he's like in the passenger side because the steering wheel's on the right. He's he's here in front of me. He's um, in the front seat. And um, we are driving like bats out of hell. The car's up on two wheels. It slams down. Like, I, I'm thinking we're going to get in a car accident. We're just going to die. Dive. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like... Like, I don't understand what's happening. Like, I don't know who this is. I don't know where they're taking us. Like, and I'm I'm at one point still believing that maybe we're just being carjacked. Like, okay. maybe, you know, because like, that's want the car. common. And that, yeah, they want yeah. your jewelry and your passport and your money. And they're going to take all your stuff and then just leave you, leave you yeah. on the side of the road. So that's what I'm hoping for. Right. And at one point, I remember Paul turning around to me to I think check on me and I I just whispered to him like what is happening so you guys were probably frozen with fear like you couldn't yeah. even speak no at that point to your no. what did he say he looked at me like and he felt really sorry for me and he said we're being kidnapped <gasps> oh my gosh and I'm just like I have no frame of reference for this. Like, exactly. Nothing in my life, no training, no heat training, no security, like nothing I have ever read or experienced has ever prepared me for this. Right. I have no idea what to do. What was going through your mind in that moment? I don't understand why. Yeah. Like, I'm he I'm an aid worker. Like, I I'm here to work in these communities yeah. to help keep people You're not safe. like a millionaireess that showed up flashing jewels. I'm just jewels a teacher. And, yeah. Like, well, I don't have any, like, what, and at this point, we don't know, like, are they Islamic extremists? Mm -hmm. Like, are they Al-Shabaab? Like, is this mm -hmm. an ideological thing? Like, Did you recognize it? their language? Uh, I mean, it's Somali, and I've been mm -hmm. living there for, at this point, two mm -hmm. and a half years, so, but I'm not anywhere near, like, mm -hmm even like fluent or anything so I, I I can hear like the word American I can hear you know like and it's very forceful they sound very angry also they're chewing chat which is like a a leaf like a narcotic oh okay and it's very like very cultural very common and, okay and it but it hypes you up and makes you really paranoid so you all of a sudden are surrounded by all these men with guns who are angry are high, and high they're angry they're all amped up because we're running from something and they've got two hostages good lord so they drive like we drive for hours we stop we change personnel we drive some more we stop we change vehicles um and then at some point in the middle of the night they stop just in some well, what looks to me like arbitrary, like place in the desert, and they force us out of the vehicles. Did you at any point in this think, let me just make a run for it? No. Okay. No. Like there was no opportunity for that. I mean, I like I'm. There are like four or five vehicles. Like this is a caravan. Uh -huh. There are probably fifty to sixty heavily armed men, like wearing like just bands of ammo, machine guns, Kalashnikov. I mean, like explosives good gracious like it's, it's like they're going to war wow and then um one of them the one sitting next to me he says walk mm -hmm. like out into the desert mm -hmm. and i'm I, I, like it's so dark there are no stars there's no moon and i'm just like no you said no 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 i'm no i'm not doing that 
Wow. Because I'm like, they're going to like gang rape me. Like, yeah. Kill, like, no. Yeah. You can shoot me right here. Like, that's. I would rather die this like, way. No. Yeah. And he's like, walk. And like, we're in this exchange, right? Um, and Paul finally comes over to me and he, he takes my hand and he says, Jessica, you know, we have to walk. And um, I mean, it is the most terrifying, like, it's like a death march, right? Because mm-hmm. you have no idea what you're walking into. I can't see anything. I'm falling over bushes and rocks and I'm picking myself back up. And I remember at one point feeling I had cut myself and I felt um, <sighs> blood like running down my leg, right? Oh my God. But I thought, this is good. Why? Like, this is good because I can still feel pain and I that means I'm still alive. You weren't sure because, if you were alive? No, I mean, it was such a surreal, I was gonna like, say, yeah. shocking out of, like, I get chills just now, like, retelling it. And I mean, I've told this story six zillion times at this point, but, like, to be in that moment where you're walking to what I believed, I mean, it, it felt like I was walking to my own execution. Your and, death march. Yeah, and I'm, like, saying goodbye to my husband. I'm saying goodbye to my father. My mother had passed away the year before. Oh, my. And I just was, like calling out to her, you know, like in my oh. mind, like, and asking like, please help me be strong. Help me be dignified. Um, like I didn't want to beg. Like, Did you say really dignified? Important. Yeah. yeah like you prayed like for... In my mind, I'm like, help me not be like this. I don't know. Like I just didn't want to be this fragile person. Yes. Like begging for my, like I wanted to be strong and powerful at the end of my life. Jessica. I have no idea why that, that mattered to me, but it did. That says like a, a million things about you. Mm. I just think anybody else in that moment, dignified is not the first thing that would come to my mind. Like, God, please just help me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there Mom, was a help lot me. of that. Save my life. <laughs> there was a lot but of that. to do it with dignity, that just that just says something very key about your core fiber to me. I think we just don't know. Mm-hmm. Until we're faced, you don't know what you're made of, death, right? <laughs> no, and I think that that is like one of my larger themes from all of this mm-hmm. is that, like now, mm-hmm. I can see that this, I, like this whole experience, surviving all of this was such is such a baseline for me, and I think that like if, a baseline, like how in so? In terms of like, you know how we often say like we shouldn't let our um, like, we shouldn't let our traumas define us. Right. And I think that we absolutely shouldn't let them define us because... That's like, interesting. Let us define me because now I have this as a baseline to be like, look what I did. Yeah. Like, look what I survived. Right. Look what I overcame. Like, no one can mess with me now. That's right. right? What could we you... we all have yeah. something like that. Yes. Right? Like, we all have something in our life that we've survived. And if you haven't survived it, you will, I promise you, because no one <laughs> escapes the human condition unscathed. So I'm walking, I'm like asking my mom for help, like all of these things. And then they stop us and then tell us to get down on our knees. So you're thinking at this point they're going to shoot us. Or my, like for some reason, I think in my terror, it looked like they had like bayonets attached to the end of their, and I'm thinking like, this is like Braveheart style. Like I'm going to be decapitated and I don't understand what I, I'm 32 years old. I didn't have children. Like, I didn't, you know, like, all the things you didn't get. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't I hear all of this stuff going through my mind? And then, and I mean, it's the most single, most terrifying moment of my life so far. Um, and then one of them says, sleep, sleep, like lay down in the dirt and go to sleep. 
Did, did it seem as if this was their plan all along? Do you yeah. think, okay, so there wasn't like a moment where maybe they suddenly took some kind of mercy on you on the transport over there? No, they wanted That to was their scare, plan all along. Scare us. Okay. Because they wanted to control us. Okay. You know, and I'm, you know, I, at this point, like, I don't think anybody had any idea how long this thing was going to take. You know, like 93 days was, you know, the period of time that I spent out there with them, which is actually a really short time for a captivity. Like, is it? It's very short. What's the normal time for I a mean, captivity? There's no normal time, but for reference, there was a, a, a German American named Michael Scott Moore who was actually taken the week before my rescue uh -huh. in the same area. Oh. He was held for over 900 days. <gasps> so. And it's just about money? Just about money. But why you two? Uh, we were trafficked, essentially. So Abdi Rizak, that guy that was sitting next to me, that uh -huh. kept making all those phone calls, yeah, he sold you he guys sold out us for a hundred grand. Oh my goodness! And they did they just believe that they would be able to collect millions? So the thing about this is that it's a it's a network. Mm -hmm. It's like the mob. Okay. So they have like um, you know people in the UK. They have diaspora here in the US. Like they have um, all of these. Mm -hmm. webs of financiers and operators and mm. and the guys on the ground that were holding us they were just that they were just guards I they see. were involved in any kind of strategy they probably didn't even know why no. just no, following orders 20 bucks a day and cigarettes yeah. on their chat and you know in a country where I don't know, like a lot of people subsist on less than a dollar a day, and at the time, the average life expectancy was 46 years. I mean, if somebody is going to offer you $20 a day, mm -hmm. like, that's not bad. That's not bad. And if you're not mean to me, then what? No harm, no foul. Right, right. So what happened after that? So I fell asleep. How could you even sleep? I'm you know, so, I think I guess your you're mind, exhausted. Your mind from is the, amazing. Okay. It just shut down. Because it need it, it knew I needed to like it reserve mm -hmm. right, and so I passed out for a couple of hours. I woke up the next morning and thought, oh wow, okay, I'm in hell. Like this is my own personal hell. And did you have then, a chance to eat, use the bathroom, anything? I mean, I remember somebody that first day dropping off like a little package of cookies. Okay. And. Um, water no one gave us water it rained so i remember trying to like they didn't give <laughs> drink, you any water like, rain water my goodness um was paul with you the whole he time was not with the whole time he was with me at that point um the lots of times we were separated as punishment mm -hmm. you know like negotiations weren't moving quickly enough or mm. things weren't moving in the right direction so they would like you know, pull us apart. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I was okay with it. Sometimes I needed him and I needed somebody to talk to. Mm -hmm. um, he told me on day 27 that there was actually a direct kidnapping threat on the company that he had not told me about because he didn't want me to cancel the trip <sighs> and he didn't consider it a viable threat. Have you forgiven him? No. I just, I cannot even imagine. No. I'm in furious like people hearing this. People always think I'm like so angry with the pirates and the kidnappers. You're more I'm angry like, at no, him. I'm angry at him and my organization because the duty of care, like the neglect of duty of How care. How terrible. Yeah. And you multiple times expressed mm -hmm. your concerns. Right. And that's like, that's the thing. Like that's the crux of my message too is like you have to, like no one will protect you. Mm -hmm. You have to protect yourself. Exactly. Listen you to that have voice. You do what's best for you. Yes. Doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Don't worry doesn't about the. Doesn't matter what anybody else says. It might mess up somebody's schedule, but it who cares? Matter. Yes. 
it's your life, it's mm -hmm. your career, it's your hopes and your, you know, whatever, your mm -hmm. kid, your, I, it doesn't matter. You don't owe anybody an explanation. No, period, is a complete sentence. Wow. I love that. I, sometimes I feel like as women, that's hard for us. Um, I'm on a mission to change that. I love that. No, I mean, I, I, everything happens for a reason, as we were talking about earlier uh, before we started recording. Um, I'm sure you've thought about this, but from my perspective, I'm like, you're here. All of this happened to you so that you could help someone else, yeah. improve someone else's life. But, but please continue. What happened over the, did you think you were going to be there forever? Like what was, what was the day to day like? Did you befriend any of these people? How did you survive? Yeah, I think the first couple of weeks I thought, oh, we're going to wrap this thing up, right? Like, we're aid workers. Yeah. Like, we're in the community. Like, surely the community still want us because, you know, we brought supplies and money and training and jobs into these communities. But, but Jessica, I still, again, I think that says something about you. Like, this is what we talk about when we talk about the hustle and the cloth that you're cut from. Mm -hmm. I can easily see people not thinking through the logics of what you just said. Like, you were still, to me, that was still a, a glass half full perspective. Yeah. I can just imagine folks being like, oh, it's over. Yeah. I'm dying, everything's over, you know, um, for you to even yeah, I'm definitely hang like on to that positive thread. Person because for I sure. Mean, you just like have I don't know, like you just have to be. Like yeah. I mean You're designed that way. I think so. Mm -hmm. I, it, but it's practice too. Mm -hmm. Like if you would ask my husband, he would probably say that. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it takes it's mindset. And mm -hmm. I have never had to employ a positive mindset mm -hmm. the way I, I did during my captivity. Like, you know, like probably 45 days in, we were driven out into the desert, propped up in front of a camera, forced to um, make a proof of life. Video. I saw that video. Yeah. And oh my it's God. Like surreal, right? Yeah. Because you're like, oh my God, this is like, you see these things on the BBC. And, and you're like, I'm here. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, this might be the last time my husband ever sees me alive. Oh. Like, all over the news, right? Um, and I think after that, I was like, oh, okay, we're in this for the long haul. Like, this is, mm -hmm. like, this is not... And I knew my um, company had KNR, like, kidnapping and ransom insurance. Mm -hmm. So... You know, I like Thanksgiving rolls around and nothing happens, and Christmas rolls around, and you're like, surely people care about Christmas. They want to celebrate Christmas, but yeah. it turns out insurance companies don't care about Christmas. <laughs> so you know, the ransom demand started mm -hmm. at forty-five million dollars. Forty-five million. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, Who what are... does that even mean? Like, you don't even know. Like these guys, they like they didn't even know. They couldn't even write the number seven in the sand, right? <laughs> right. Like, they, it doesn't. It's so yeah. ambiguous. Uh huh. Um. And then our people countered with twenty thousand. Okay. So twenty thousand. Like, uh, like talk yes. about a wide. So that gives you an indicator of like how long the like how long are we gonna be out here? Like a really long time. Oh my gosh. And I mean, we weren't taken to a house. We weren't taken to a shelter. We lived outside. Like I sat under trees and bushes. And I'm like an outdoorsy girl. Like I'm a campy girl. But I mean, this was is the like, weather conducive to this sort of thing. No, I mean it's hot in the desert during yeah. the day. Like I mean, my lips were cracked and bleeding. My oh. eyes were swollen shut. I was sunburnt. You know, even sitting under a tree like they're acacia trees, they're thorn trees. Like, yeah, there's not a lot of foliage to protect you. Yeah. Um, and then you'd sleep out in the open at night, and so then you'd wake up wet because of the dew, like soaking wet. Like, yeah. 
there's nothing that puts me in a worse mood than waking up wet. Oh yeah, yeah. Not a good, not a good feeling. <laughs> um, Were you able to shower? Were I you mean, able to? Every couple of days, I would get like some dirty diesel laced water to try to wash with. Oh gosh. And so then that's the other thing is like I'm the only woman. Right. Living amongst dozens of men. How frightening that! I mean, that's yeah. That's the scariest yeah. thing I think. You know, and I ended up like learning and I mean I still do this like I still sleep like this like on my stomach you know trying to protect myself and I had such horrible like sleep was my only escape Mm -hmm. but it was also not like a scary time because I was so vulnerable when I was sleeping yeah and I was vulnerable when I was washing you know I Mm -hmm. would try to get to the nearest furthest bush yes and Fortunately, I did befriend a couple of them. I was just going to ask you. I have yeah. to believe that that's part of yeah. this story. Well, so it's so interesting because I um, met somebody recently who, you know, I meet, like, lots of people, especially being based in the D.C. Mm-hmm. area, that had, like, something to do with it. Or they were, like... Tangentially yeah, somehow like, involved. Or they know someone. Yeah. Like, yeah. This happens a lot. And this person... Um, relayed and I you know I can't say how they know but they knew they had been watching and in my interactions mm-hmm. with my captors and they actually use it as a case study for like some courses that they teach really um on how to build rapport how to build rapport yeah, based I, on that yeah and I was like um can you like like what did I do like like how did I do that and I always say that connection is my superpower yeah like I'm deeply authentic yes um, and I love people so much yes and I love connecting with people yes right? I think we have this in common yes I think obviously <laughs> I think so right well it was so interesting because this person was like that ability to connect mm-hmm. even in you, such a circumstance even, yes saved your life Oh, I'm sure. There were so many times where they were just going to kill you because this thing was taking way too long and it was getting way too dangerous for them. They were just going to kill you. But the the couple that you connected with, like a couple of the pirates that you connected with and you built a rapport and actually formed a friendship with, they were like, no, you can't do that. They became your defenders. Yes. And it saved our lives. It saved our lives. Oh my and goodness. so I was like, I knew connection was my superpower, right? Like, it really but to is. hear something like that, you're like, I mean, it was like, I called my sister. And I was like, uh, I don't know what to do with this. Like, uh-huh. like what? Is, like, what do I do with this? And she was like, Oh, Jess. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, of course. And like, of course. So yeah, like connecting. Um, I think it's interesting because I'm like thinking about that as a as a truth, as a concept, like connection mm-hmm. saves lives. It does. At the end of the day, we're all humans. Look at COVID. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And how that disconnect. Right. How hard, that was the hardest part of the whole thing is not being able to connect. Exactly. In person, right? And so if, like, if I've learned anything, mm-hmm. it's that power of connection. Totally. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it, it did. It, it saved my life on many accounts that I don't even know about. But what about Paul? Was, did Paul have that same superpower? No, he didn't. So he, it really was your superpower was. that shielded both yeah. of you. And I would get so irritated with him because he just didn't seem to be able to watch and into it, like when to ask some, for like an extra can of tuna. Or, you know what this you know, is? This is emotional intelligence. Yeah. 
And, and it's really funny. It's just, you, sometimes I feel like you either have it or you don't. Mm -hmm. You can't read a room. Of course, in our world, we apply it to sales yes. and business development and getting your message across to a customer. Mm -hmm. This is an extreme example, yeah. but I love that you called it a superpower. Mm -hmm. It freaking saved your life. Yeah. Well, and it can also build your business. Yes. Like, I mean, I, I do employ those ta like those yeah. oh. tactics when I'm working with clients. Yeah. When I'm making a sale with a client because 100%. You know, now I'm a, an entrepreneur. So, um, and what you said about loving people, it's funny. I always say that too. I'm like, I don't have to fake it. I actually love people and I actually find them very interesting yes. and I'll always give them, you know, the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. One day it might burn me, but you know, until then I think it's really uh, been a secret to success mm -hmm. because they can feel it, yes. you know, 100%. and they open up to you maybe more than they would open up to the next person in line because that walks into their office. People know if you're being authentic. Yeah. 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 I mean, 100%. And connection, again, whether or not you're aware of it, you, you connect. Right. Right? And so the best way to make a sale mm -hmm. or to, to, to form a relationship with a client is to just show up mm -hmm. in conviction. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can be, trust me, you cannot hold space for more conviction than someone who has been held hostage, like who's being held hostage, oh my. right? Like I'm going to be passionate about <laughs> that connection because I want to live. Absolutely. So, and um, I think that it does translate mm -hmm. very well into the business world. We'll be back with more East Coast Hustle with your host Reba Magulik after this brief timeout. For all of my friends in the government contracting business, I want to tell you about a company I know well. Led by one of our guests on East Coast Hustle, Kevin Fitzpatrick at GovTech. Kevin and his team are experts in liability issues that face the GovCon industry. Now back to East Coast Hustle with your host, Reba Magulik, and today's special guest, Jess Buchanan. Two things. Do you miss these people? Like, do you feel for them? Do you pray for them? I mean, or is that like a step too far? No, I don't think so. Like, I carried around a lot of guilt for a long time. Guilt? Because, Why? Well, I mean, fast forward. So I'm there yeah. for 93 days. I actually get a kidney infection. Oh like my! Like a urinary tract infection oh. turns into a kidney infection. Oh they won't my! Bring me medicine, That's serious. They won't bring a doctor. It's very serious. You poor thing. And I, my last proof of life call was January sixteenth, twenty twelve. I'd had a series of six calls to the company, like to the organization, and they had like a point person, like a family communicator that I would talk to. And okay. I said, "Look, I'm super sick. I'm like high fever. They're not giving me anything. I need an IV. I need to be hospitalized." You know, because I've been living in dirt for the last, you know, eight Jessica, days. Like, gracious. you have to get me out of yeah. here or I'm going to die. So, you know, that was the last time I talked to anybody. I had no idea that that set the wheels in motion. But that makes me so sad. Like, why weren't they working hard anyway? Like, you, I mean, I guess they were. They but, were. But I why? Mean, but it's just like... It's I mean, like, so that's what it took? It just, it just seems... Well, it does. I mean, yeah. Like, and, and again, like as an American citizen, people don't know and they don't, I mean, I did, had no idea that a military intervention was even something that happens. Like, I don't mm -hmm. think most people know that. Mm -hmm. um, and there had been a 
a couple of attempts at a rescue that I, I wasn't aware of, but just didn't happen because they all don't of inform the stars you. have to be aligned. Like this is such a technical, complicated, layered endeavor. Yes. And um, because, you know, loss of life, of course, is like the most um, serious uh, effect that can happen if things are not executed mm-hmm. uh, precisely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, loss of life of the hostage, and generally that is what happens. Like, oh. a, a military intervention will take place, and then the captors will shoot the hostage. Oh, my. So that there's nothing left. No collateral. Yeah. yeah. That's horrific. So, so it's a lose lose situation. Yeah. I mean, these, you know, our military is incredible. Like, they know what they're doing. Um, and so, that set the wheels in motion, uh, no, unbeknownst to me and Paul, or our families, mm-hmm. or our organization for that matter, um, for a military rescue. And so January 25th, 2012, um, I went to like bed that night, but I'm on my mat out in the middle, and I'm, I'm just like, I'm so sick. And I remember saying, like, I would, there were two stars that would come out at the same time every night. They were, like, big and beautiful and bright. And I named one for my mother. So I would talk to her, like, every night. And I'd be like, well, nothing happened today, but maybe tomorrow, you know. And um, this night, I, I, it was different because I was like, um, I need you to go and tell God that he needs to do something because I'm not going to make it out of here. And while I miss you, I'm like, I'm not ready for this to be over. You know, and so I went to sleep. I woke up a few hours later, sick. Like, like say the word toilet, which is how I was excused from my mat. That was like the only word that would get me off my mat. And and there were nine guys on the ground that night, and but they were all out, like passed out. And there was always one that was Mm -hmm. alert and keeping guard over the camp. And I couldn't get anybody to rouse. So I, like, go to a bush, do what I need to do, and come back, roll myself up my blanket, like, get, you know, in my blanket like this. And I can hear, um, I can hear something like an animal or something coming through the grass, like we're in scrubby, brushy grass. Um, and I'm thinking, it's these, like, beetles that would oh, come out at night. Oh, gosh. get my hair. Beetles? Of, on like, top of know, everything like else? Beetles, oh, like, they, and they get my so hair and my clothes, and I'm like not in the mood not in the mood can't do this right now I'm like shaking my blanket I'm like I keep getting up and down I can't find anything I don't see anything mm-hmm. but I hear it and I finally give up right because I'm fighting like fighting for my life I need to sleep um, and there's a the pirate on the, my left he slept next to me most nights when he was there his name was Dyer I called him helper I had nicknames he had nicknames for everybody mm-hmm. and he was my friend and he um like 30 seconds after I like settle back in, he gets up and he's holding an AK and I can't see him because now the stars, everything has clouded over. There's no moon. And I can tell he's terrified. That's interesting. He's like screaming at the guys to get up. And I'm like, God, like, what's what going, going on? on? Yeah. And then the night just erupts into automatic gunfire. And it's just like, boom, 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 boom. Like, and you're well, right like, there in the I'm middle like, of it? There. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Like, what's happening? Oh my God, oh my God. And I'm just like trying to disappear down into the ground under my blanket. And like, Dyer hits the ground. <gasps> all, like, all of their route, like, they're hitting the ground. They're moaning. They're like, like calling out for their mothers, like dying, 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 dying. And I'm just like, waiting for a bullet to hit me, thinking we're being kidnapped by another group because yeah. that was always a risk. And then um, somebody starts grabbing my leg and my shoulders. 
and I'm like, I'm like trying to resist. Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to protect myself, and they pull the blanket away from my face, and um, and I can't see anything. I can tell that there are like all these black figures around me, but I, I don't, I can't see what it is, and I'm so scared. <laughs> you poor thing. I cannot even imagine. Yeah. and um, then I hear this voice. Um, and he ha he's a, got an American accent, and he knows my name. First, yeah, first time you've heard that in a long time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And he says, Jessica, it's okay. We're the American military. We're here to rescue you, and we're going to take you home. Oh, my gosh. So what and was going I, through your head at that moment? Oh, I mean, shock. I start shaking, like convulsing, like shaking. Like this is really yeah, happening. Like I, no, I can't. And all I can say over and over again is, you're American? You're American? You're, you're American? Like, because I'm like, oh my God, like, how did they find it? You're also Where so sick at this yes, point. You're feverish. Like weak, yeah. You know, I, I didn't know at that point, you know, I mean, this was 10 years. Like, I think I, when I came out, I weighed 119 pounds. Oh my. You know, and I'm like almost six feet tall. You're tall. So, yeah, yeah. That's. Um, so just like nothing to me left and um, he takes his mask off and I can see his face and he says, you know, we've been watching you for a really long time. Uh, we know how sick you've been. And he has like medication. He has a Aww. bottle of clean water. Um, another one of them says like, do you know where your shoes are? I'm like, I don't know where my shoes are. <laughs> and he's like, okay, well, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pick you up and I'm going to throw you over my shoulder. We're going to like, get to a safer, like, this is not safe, we have to get to another location. And he picks me up, throws me over his shoulder, takes off running, and I'm, like, bouncing. Like, and all I can think is, I'm a school teacher from Ohio. Yeah. Like, how is this my life? Right. What's happening? <laughs> this sounds like a movie. What is this? Yeah. It's totally a movie. Oh, my gosh. Um, and he puts me down at some point, like, that's safe, and Paul's there, and I, you know. Could you see the pirates uh, no, that had been I shot? Didn't, I didn't. So you, um, because I'm sure you've never heard or seen anything like that before outside of the movies, but you, I'm sure that would have been devastating too, but you've had so many years to unpack this. Mm -hmm. um, gosh, such trauma. But and look I mean, at you. Like, I mean the, like, I think that's to your point about, like, feeling bad about them. Like, it is hard to reconcile. You know, I sat there and thought about it, a lot because I had nothing but time and you know like nothing is ever black and white like things get gray really really fast okay. and um, you know I came in as a humanitarian aid worker as a teacher like a military intervention while I'm grateful for it and I'm so happy to be here and alive it wouldn't ha it wasn't anybody's first choice you know mm -hmm. I I would like these men bad men made bad decisions mm -hmm. but and but at the end of the day, they're human beings who were mm -hmm. born into a life that I could never understand with zero resources and mm -hmm. children to feed and sick kids and, you know, like, right. who, who am I to say that if I was, had been born then that I wouldn't have done the same thing? Like, I don't, I have two kids. Like, so would, you have zero judgment, it sounds like. I, I mean. It's hard to judge. It is hard. Yeah. Right? Until and, you've walked a mile in their shoes, yeah, as they say. Yeah, it is. And so. I carried around like who am like who am I like my privilege like mm -hmm. you know my white girl privilege to like mm -hmm. s survive and be rescued and mm -hmm. you know and nine people Oh died you had that survivors night. guilt I had a lot of survivors guilt Interesting Yeah and if thank god all of the the men and the seals well so it was um you know Paul's like do you know who these guys are right and Yeah like, no, and he's like, "This is SEAL Team Six. Like, these are the guys that got Osama bin Laden." And I'm like, 
Praise God. (laughs) I don't really know what to do with that. Um, You know, but there was no loss of life on the Mm -hmm. American side, which is like unbelievable. Seriously. Um, But there were nine, nine people that died that night. Yes. You know? Yes, it's like it's a success, but there's also, yeah, How do you, depending on how that's you look hard. at it. That's hard. And not everybody wants to hear that, but it's my story, and, and that's, that's I finally have figured out how to tell that story. Because mm-hmm. for a long time I told it in a way that everybody else wanted to hear it, mm-hmm. and it's taken me a long time to figure out. Um, how you want to tell it. Yeah, where, mm-hmm. like, the role that I play in all of it, mm-hmm. so, which is important. Absolutely. We'll be back with more East Coast Hustle with your host, Reba Magulik, after this brief timeout. On this show, I never promote executive leaders and companies that I don't know well. My friends and colleagues at Accelerate Solutions are truly gifted experts across the company's three service areas, enterprise security, digital transformation, and strategic consulting. Accelerate optimizes efficiency and effectiveness and enhances the security of America's physical and cyber infrastructure, as well as personnel. Agencies as large, complex, and important as the FBI depend on Accelerate. To learn more, visit AccelerateSolutions.com. That's X-C-E-L-E. R-A-T-E solutions.com. Now back to East Coast Hustle with your host, Reba Magulik, and today's special guest, Jess Buchanan. So tell us about where you are today. What are you doing now? What What is your life today? You've reintegrated back into society, or have you, or will you ever? Mm. Um, and what's your message? What's your message to people? Well, it's really good right now. Um, <laughs> yes. You know, yes. I'm happy to hear that. on this side, right? Fabulous. Um, but it's been 10 years, and I have um, fought tooth and nail to, um, I call the part after the trauma, mm-hmm. and I don't think we talk about it enough. It's called uh, surviving survival. Interesting. You know? So, like, it's kind of easy to survive yeah. the trauma, right? Because all you have to do is just stay alive, like in my case. Right. That's interesting. Like, it's not easy, but, like, I knew I had one job to do, and that was to survive. And then you get thrown back into life, and it's like, oh, I've lost my profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got pregnant with my son two weeks after the rescue. Oh, my. Like, the book is called Impossible Odds, but that is the <laughs> Impossible Odds, right? So then I'm thrown into motherhood. Mm-hmm. Um, I have post-traumatic uh, mm-hmm. stress disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, like, how do you rebuild after everything you, you've gotten to keep your life your physical life and you're so mm-hmm. I'm so grateful but mm-hmm. everything else I had to leave Africa because my anxiety was so um intense, intense. Yeah, yeah and debilitating and that had never been a part of the plan and so uh, my husband's from Sweden and so he'd never lived in the states but we uh, you know relocated to the Washington DC area which is like a whole thing, like it's a whole experience. It's a whole, right? absolutely. Like I'm not from here, and yeah. Um, so wow, it was it was a lot mm-hmm. for a long time, um, and it it took me. It's just been such a journey. It's and I call it my desert to mountaintop. You mm-hmm. know, like my desert was like that, that moment of self abandonment, mm-hmm. and then um, I've been. I'm a we're big hikers in my family, so mm-hmm. everything always goes back to like hiking and the trail and 
like I just picture myself like walking this trail and climbing, mm-hmm. like getting so tired and parched and laying down, taking a break, getting back up. And I think that that's what life really is, you mm-hmm. know, and, and journeying to that mountaintop of uh, self-love, mm-hmm. like reclaiming my voice. And so a lot of the work that the, the inside work that I have done has been about reclaiming my voice, mm-hmm. standing in my power making sure that I understand first and foremost mm-hmm. that there is room in my story for more than one hero. I call it the Shiro's journey. Like the Shiro? I get to be the Shiro in my story. Uh-huh. Seal Team 6, 100%. Oh, yeah. But you know what? Jess Buchanan is a badass and she can, you know, she's Amen. the Shiro too, right? Own it. So, right. Yeah. It takes a really long time to yeah. like, navigate through all of that. So Particularly with all the trauma. Yes. Because you definitely could have folded the other direction we know about PTSD and the impacts yes. after uh, war and coming back and combat, and it's really hard to reintegrate, much less persevere, right. which it sounds like you've done. Yeah, and I'm lucky because I have resources and mm-hmm. I have a wonderful supportive partner and my family has been incredible. And um, I have been given everything I need in order to build, mm-hmm. rebuild a life and to be successful. And so um, my like that whole part of ignoring my intuition mm-hmm. is so fundamentally important to me mm-hmm. in terms of my experience and that trajectory. And so now I'm, I'm really on this mission to uh-huh. help women um, reconnect with themselves, find their voice, mm-hmm. and then to use it. Absolutely. And to get paid for it. <laughs> because, right, like we can, I love that. Like, yes. we can talk until we're blue in the face. Right. But the bottom line is, you know what? You should be compensated. So, Absolutely. I love that you said that. People are so shy about talking about money. Oh, I'm not. Uh, why? Yeah. yeah I, it's Because it's a worthiness thing. We don't think that. Oh, we're, you think that's what I it think is? So I think we don't think that we're worth it. Like we don't. We're embarrassed to ask. Should for we ask? Word. Yeah, exactly. Like, should I discount my fee? Like you know. Right. So because I I wrote a we we ended up writing a book and um, we wrote it so we would have an account for our son and mm-hmm. there were a lot of people that think that I knew we would never get to meet and so um, we wrote Impossible Odds mm-hmm. which then ended up on the New York Times bestseller list That's which was awesome. amazing right and so that did launch me on this path that mm-hmm. I didn't even know existed in the professional mm-hmm. speaking circuit and you know speakers bureaus and so I've spent the last nine years really sharing my story refining my story. Mm-hmm. Figuring out like what those takeaways are, are um, because what I have come to understand is that people like an interesting story is just an interesting story, but people want to become a part of that transformation. Yes, and they want you to teach them how to be transformed. Hmm. And so I've been able to do that with my story. I think largely because I'm a teacher. Right, right? that comes naturally it to does. you. It does, and I'm trained to do that. Mm-hmm. And so now what I do is I work with women who want to move into the professional speaking mm-hmm. world. And you've got to write a book if you're interested. <laughs> um, so I help them develop their uh, their themes and their messaging so mm-hmm. that they can write their, I call them memoir manifestos. Ooh. You know, you've been through something, now you know something. And now you have a, a list of guidelines and values mm-hmm. and declarations that have transformed you and you're ready to teach other people how to be transformed. So I help women package all of that mm-hmm. into a book so that they can use that to launch their speaking careers or their podcasting careers or whatever it is they want to do. You're giving back. 
I, I'm trying. You're giving back. But it back. also gives me so much. Like there is just this feeling of alignment mm -hmm. where it feels I right. feel so empowered yeah. to be able to use what I've learned to watch. I get to work with the most incredible women mm -hmm. who have like, like bonkers <laughs> amounts of courage yeah. and tenacity and determination that I have never. Mm. I mean, don't like, sell yourself I'm not short. Into, like, like comparative <laughs> trauma and all of that, but I mean, I mean, some of these women's stories that I have the immense mm -hmm. privilege of sitting witness to and helping them figure out how to um, talk about it and how to make a living from it. It's just, it's, it's such an honor. Jessica, you talk a lot about change. Mm -hmm. We've certainly been through a period of change <laughs> these last two years with COVID. I imagine the type of questions that are coming at you are from the experiences that people are going through as a result of that. What type of issues do you believe people are dealing with in the face of this unexpected change? And what advice have you been giving them? Mm. Change is hard, mm -hmm. right? We don't like change. No. We're such creatures of habit. Who moved my cheese? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here's the thing with change is that you can't escape it. Yes, like it is change part, is the only constant. Yes, it is mm -hmm. part of the human experience. And we can look to history, we can look to nature. Like it's, you know, we're recording this in the spring. Like everything's changing right mm -hmm. now. Every day I get up and something is different. Mm -hmm. um, the last couple of years have been extraordinary in the experience of change. And I think that change is really, it's an opportunity. Okay. Like opportunity is knocking on your door. Mm -hmm. We have seen, you know, to use the most overused word of 2020, pivot. Yes. Right? But, like, such an opportunity and so much, like, ingenuity. Yes. And creativity. Right? And how everybody Sorry. rose to the challenge so quickly. The teachers teaching my kids. Oh, my goodness. Virtual, even PE. But well, they actually did a good job. And it mean, was amazing I how we adapted. I just read something in the post. Um, you know, they were highlighting several people who, like, mm -hmm. lost their jobs or they stopped working because they were trying to homeschool their kids at the same time. Mm -hmm. And then out of that change came a new business. Yes. Um, and now they're, like, you know, have the top three bakery in the district or, exactly. you know, whatever. I do believe that, I mean, with every ounce of my being, and it's hard, like it often comes in times of crisis, mm -hmm. um, oftentimes change uh, chooses you, mm -hmm. you don't get to change mm -hmm. it, right? But it is an in invitation to collaborate. An invitation to collaborate. Yes, and that collaboration is what it's all about. Interesting. That is what's going to lead you to your life's purpose. Like, I cannot be on this earth if I don't believe that what I'm doing is my purpose. And so many of us, I think, were, like, on the hamster wheel. We were, like, doing the thing. Mm -hmm. We were, like, Checking you know, the checklist. Uh, Ho-hum, ho-hum. Right. Bam, we got hit with a pandemic. Yes. And then it made us stop and pause mm -hmm. and think, like, is this really what I want to do with my one and Ex pre my precious life? Exactly. We needed a shakeup. We did. It's almost like, I mean, it was terrible. Yeah. But I do think that there are multiple silver linings, even families coming together. Yes. Oh, wow. I'm getting to have breakfast, lunch, and dinner yeah. with my family. Yeah. What a novel experience. Mm -hmm. When would this have ever happened in this lifetime? Yeah. So I do. I think it's an opportunity. And so that's what I tell people. Like, you have to, you have to always look for the light. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Amanda Gorman says it, right? There's always light if we're brave enough to, to find it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's there. The opportunity is there. That's the whole point of the change. 
I'd like to ask you one last question, and that's about your faith. Um, as I'm hearing your story and you're praying to this star that was your mom, um, how much of you believes that your prayer was answered? Um, I mean, obviously it was answered, but like, did all of these things happen because somebody out there heard you? And how much did your faith play into you getting through this? Like all of it. All of it. All of it. And my faith, you know, faith evolves and it changes and it looks different. Did um, it shake at any point where you're like, I'm angry? I'm angry at God. Why am I here? You know, I was really angry at God before the kidnapping happened because I'd lost That's my mom very suddenly. Yeah. Very, I mean, if I can use this, like unnecessarily. Like sure. She, um, it was like actually a malpractice thing. Like oh. she, you know, she died very young. It shouldn't have happened. And so I was, I remember the last conversation I had with my dad mm-hmm. on the phone when I was in her case. I, right before I left for this trip, I said, God and I are taking a little break. You said that. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like I got kind of thrown, I got schooled. You got like, schooled. I got schooled. Like I got thrown. Well, and so it's so interesting. So like just this final point, um, I forgot about that dream. Yeah. I like totally shut it out until right around Christmas while I was out there. The premonition dream. Yeah, I forgot, okay. like totally blocked it out. Uh-huh. Didn't think about it. And then um, we are like out in some area out there, like, you know, while we're being held. And it was the only time we were taken to any kind of structure and it was like a goat pen. Oh my. Okay, like, you know, it's nomadic, there's goats, there's camels everywhere, everything. And so I'm like kind of in this shelter, I'm sitting on the ground, like on hay, and at some point, somebody brings me my work bag to try to cheer me up, and inside my work bag is a Kindle, mm-hmm. and it still had a bat, like the battery was charged. No way. Yeah, and they let me have it for a little while, and I was like, "This is amazing. I have something to read." So the two things that were on it were Freakonomics, okay, <laughs> and the King James version of the Bible. And so I was like, I feel like the Bible is a good thing to read right now while I'm, yes. like, I'm knocking on death's door every day. And I was like, it's almost Christmas, so let me read the Gospels. And yes. so I started Matthew, right? The count of, I was going to ask you where you started. The birth of Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, and I get to this part where Joseph, mm-hmm. an angel comes to him in a dream mm-hmm. to warn him that they need to flee because Herod is after baby Jesus. And all of a sudden, it is like, bam, in my face. It comes right at you, like, the dream. I dream and then I look around and I'm like that's a manger right there like I am sitting in a stable I'm sitting like I am literally leaning against a manger sitting in a Somali version of a stable yes oh my god that's a sign if there ever was a sign I will never abandon myself again and I was like okay god if you get me out of this thing (sighs) I am on a mission to yeah. make sure I will never do this again. I will never ignore you. I will never ignore myself. And I will make sure that I preach that gospel all day long. Oh my so gosh. That's what I'm doing. I love it. Thank you so much. I can't tell you what this has meant to me and I'm sure to the audience. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so grateful to have you here.